You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good, everybody. Welcome to episode number 22 of The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, and with me, as always, RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. What is up, RJ? Stats, how are you doing? I am very surprised that you showed up, if I'm being honest. Why? Well, you know, you were a very busy man on Wednesday, talked to a lot of cool and important people. One of them, Carolina Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey. I encourage everybody to go back to Wednesday's roundtable here on the SB Nation NFL show, where you can hear Stats' beautiful baritone voice in parallel with Christian McCaffrey's. But the thing about it is, Stats, I thought that you were going to pursue a UFC career uh, based off of Christian's sort of endorsement. I mean, it, it seemed like that's where things were going. So I thought maybe that this was going to be a, a me solo thing, that you were going to be well down that path already. Well, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he basically said I would dominate the UFC. So you should definitely go. I completely agree with it. That's really what he said. I mean, in so many words, that's really what he was saying. You should really go check that out. And to be honest with you, the SB Nation NFL show all week long has been full of amazing guests. You started it off with Kyler Murray early in the week. I believe that was on Monday. Adoree Jackson, Mike Tannenbaum, like you said, Christian McCaffrey, Naheem Hines, like we are loaded and there's still a ton more to come. So if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show, rate, review. We really do appreciate it. We're really trying to load up the cannon this week with a bunch of good names for you and keep it interesting, you know, not always kind of run over the same old stuff with these guys because they're, they're doing a bunch of interviews. So we try to make ours a little bit unique. Stats, two things for you. First of all, shout out to Matt K7148, who leave or left, leaved uh, our latest review. We are two reviews away from 100. So if you are out there, again, obey Stats' command, leave a rating, write a review, subscribe. We really appreciate those things. Matt said, listen every day. I listen every weekday for great NFL coverage, excellent content that I wait for on a daily basis. So very cool comment from Matt K. The second thing that I have for you stats, who would you say is the fastest person that we have had on the network this week? Kyler Murray, certainly in consideration. Adoree Jackson, one of the fastest defensive backs in the NFL. Naheem Hines, Kyle Posey spoke to on the podcast. You mentioned obviously Christian McCaffrey, who you spoke with. Who's the, I, I think Kyler, but it's, we we're kind of finding some really fast dudes and later on today, another fast one, not in the NFL yet. I I think it's Kyler. Kyler can move, man. When when guys make other fast guys look like regular guys, that's moving. And Kyler is somebody that does that. So I think I got to go with him. Okay. 
cool beans. Well, shout out to Kyler Murray. Um, I'll give Christian McCaffrey a, a legitimate second place. I also stats want to say, and this is a bit of a spoiler for anyone who hasn't heard your interview with him yet. I appreciated the push for new uniforms for the Carolina Panthers. They've got some incredible colors to work with there. We got to see something great. I do love the helmet stripe that kicks out. That's a unique feature to the Panthers helmet that I want to see stay, but I do want to see, you know, just spice it up a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, how many teams have had the same jersey for 26 years? I mean, the Dallas Cowboys have had the same jersey for, you know, ever. No, the Cowboys have made a ton of jersey tweaks over the year. They don't drastically alter it, but they make a lot of tweaks. They change colors. They do some things. Don't think Uh, I don't know my Cowboys history. The Houston Texans, I think it was two years ago. They have a lot of problems right now, but I remember reading a tweet like one day that was like, oh, we're, we're making a big jersey change. And, you know, I was already kind of starting to run away with this. Oh, what's it going to be? There's a lot of cool options. You know what they did, Stats? They put the Texans logo on the nape of the neck above the name. It wasn't there before, but it, it was after that. I think the Bills do this. Um, and I, I think the Cardinals do this. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. uh, but I know the Bills do it for sure. And the Texans, obviously. I'm a huge Jersey guy. Like I'm into it every year. I want to know every change that every team makes, the tweaks, the patches. Like I love it. So I had to ask Christian McCaffrey that because it just always bugs me about the Panthers. So um, let me lay out a little bit what we're going to get into today. It is the look ahead. It is Thursday. So we are finally getting to the point where we can sort of dive into this game like we would, you know, during any old week of the season. So we're going to preview the game, get into what we like, what we don't like, what we're worried about. Plus, you sat down with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, for an interview that you did earlier Wednesday. How many reigning Heisman Trophy winners do you get to speak to? I was actually thinking about this, and prior to this week, I think I had only ever spoken to one Heisman Trophy winner in general. Uh, spoken to him twice, the incredible Mr. Roger Staubach, but uh, but today, or rather this week, I have tripled my Heisman Trophy count. Spoke to Kyler Murray, as mentioned, and I had never spoken to a reigning Heisman Trophy winner, so Devontae checked that box for me. Pretty cool experience, um, and I do, I do think, as noted, he might challenge for the fastest guy that we've interviewed. Um, he is very, very fast and very cool. He uh, um, is a New Orleans Saints fan. So it'll be very interesting to see where he ends up. And then the last thing we're going to do, and you don't, you didn't realize it at the time, but you have started something because you sent me a message earlier today with one of the most ridiculous Super Bowl opinions I have ever heard anyone make in the world. Do you, I'm not even going to put words in your mouth. Tell the people what you did. So let me preface this by saying, and I, Stats and I have been friends for a while now, but we're still learning a lot about each other. And something I'm learning is that we are souls that have been attached for far longer than we've actually been friends in that I love the NFL stats, but almost as much as I love the NFL, I love the Super Bowl. And I love everything about the Super Bowl. I love all the history. I love all the tiny little details. And so I went down a YouTube rabbit hole of Super Bowl halftime shows on Wednesday. The best one, we are in lockstep agreement here. Bruno Mars at Super Bowl 48. Incredible overall performance. I don't care what anybody says about the boss. Prince was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Bruno killed it. But um, conventional wisdom suggests that Super Bowl 25's national anthem from Whitney Houston, which is an incredible anthem, an incredible performance. Uh, people believe that that's the best of all time. It's not. And it's okay. It's okay to say that it's not. You don't have to agree with everyone that it's it's undoubtedly the best. And I will say, 
and we'll get into it later, I fully acknowledge that the level of patriotism around the country and in the moment was at an extreme high, and that added to the effect. Uh, but still, I, I digress, and I maintain that the one – I, I want to save it. The one that I have chosen for a long time now is the superior one. So – I got to fight against that stupidity later, which we are going to do. You're just you're so wrong. And he, you sent that to me and it consumed me for the next like 25 minutes. Like I could not stop thinking about it, researching it like it consumed my life. So thank you for that on a day where I was super busy. But all right, let's dive into the Super Bowl now. And the biggest news of the day Wednesday was was a little bit of a scare because we had heard earlier in the week that the Chiefs had two players go on the reserve COVID-19 list. Both did not test positive. They were close contacts. So we got a little more information Wednesday when we found out that the, they were close contacts of a barber who was scheduled to cut the hair of about 20 Chiefs players and staffers. And apparently what happened was he had been given a COVID test and he was cutting people's hair. And literally they found out that the test was positive and they pulled him away from, I think it was Daniel Kilgore, in the middle of the haircut. Because obviously they're worried about him spreading COVID to the team. So that's what we found out. So that could have been a huge problem for the Chiefs because if you are a close contact now starting Thursday, You can't come back before the Super Bowl. You cannot play. So this was like a huge crisis potentially averted by Kansas City. I honestly um, don't understand how this happened, to be be totally frank. Because, A, I mean, I don't want to say common sense, but A, the world that we've been living in for almost a year now. uh, B, the the Chiefs are a very well-run organization, from top to bottom in every sense. I mean, obviously the football part of it, but you know, the logistical side as well. And so, I mean, and see, they're a team that was just in the Super Bowl. So, you know, they are well aware of the practices and protocols that go into it. Obviously this particular year, those are enhanced in a way that nobody's ever seen before, but I, I just, I think if, if you, the idea would be to design a sort of mini bubble, right? At, at your Super Bowl headquarters. I know that the Chiefs are still in Kansas City. So how would anyone, literally any soul that had not been properly vetted and checked and double checked and triple checked and quadruple checked, make it to the point of, of literal contact? I, I mean, so you're, I'm, I'm thankful, certainly, that first of all, everybody's safe. Uh, but second of all, that, you know, crisis was averted. But I, I'm kind of stunned that this happened, to be honest. Yeah. Why would you let the guy start cutting people's hair before the results of the test came back? That makes no sense to me. What's the point of testing him if you're then going to let him start to cut people's hair before the test results come back? It, there is no point. Um, not that it would be better. I don't even I can't even think of an example, but I don't know, like. You ever like, you know, you and the wife are like, oh, what are we going to make for dinner? And she's like, well, we've got to make this because it's going bad tomorrow. Right. And so it's like, well, we, we have to make it. OK, fine. And so I don't know what that would be. But if it was that where there was an expiration date of sorts, I could maybe understand one percent of the logic or motivation behind it. But the haircut couldn't wait. You know, like, like it, it couldn't wait for the posit or the, the test to come back negative. I just don't understand this. Well, not only that, but like. Why do you need to get a haircut before the Super Bowl? Are you oh, worried that, that extra hair is going to drag you down? I can totally answer this. You're about to be seen by more people than you've ever been seen 
by in your entire life. That that makes complete sense to me. You are also you want to feel fresh. You know, I mean, there, there's that you know aspect to it. You spoke to Deion Sanders this week. You look good. You feel good. You feel good. You play good. You play good. They pay good. Pay good. You live good. I mean, so I get that. That part is not at all foreign to me. In fact, if I was an NFL player. I, gen- I generally get my hair cut pretty short. I'd probably get it cut every week because I would want my helmet to feel nice and smooth. I wouldn't, you know, like it's the worst when like your cap feels snug because your hair's too long. I would not risk that in the Super Bowl of all things. It's the worst. Really? That's <laughs> the worst? I mean, it's the worst in the context of cap, you know, problems. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. And like, how differently would you feel about this Super Bowl if the Chiefs were missing, you know, three, four, five guys? because of COVID. I mean, it it completely changes the whole dynamic of it. I also, I mean, you've made it this far. (laughs) How, I mean, like, and I hope not, but this calls into question, how have you been acting and operating all season long? You know, I mean, are you, have you just, I mean, we've been saying forever that in, again, in a football sense, the chiefs have flown so close to the sun with their performances in games. It, I mean, this really happened in a totally non-football way. So I don't know. Tom Brady's not having these problems. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I um, <laughs> I saw stats. I don't know how you felt about this. That Tom Brady's 43, in case you didn't know. Um, Steve Young entered the Hall of Fame at 43. That's absurd. <laughs> I mean, like, that really is absurd. Didn't Bobby Orr go into the Hockey Hall of Fame at, like, 31? Uh, you're a hockey guy? That makes sense. No, I'm not a hockey guy. I just happen to – I like these strange little tidbits. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, this just in Tom Brady's really old. Um, let's dive into this aspect of it because I did the round table on Wednesday with Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead pride. And I asked him fully expecting, I, I thought I knew the answer. I said like zero to 10, where are you on the worry scale? And he actually said three, which I was <laughs> expecting him to say like zero, no chance the chiefs are going to win. But he was at a three, like he acknowledges The injuries on the offensive line for the Chiefs are a legitimate issue. It's not something that can be totally just waved off. The Bucs have pass rushers in JPP, and Vita Vea is going to be back now, and Shaq Barrett is there. Like, that's an issue for the Chiefs, and not even Pete Sweeney, the most confident Chiefs fan I know, is dismissing that. So, as a as one third, uh, the most important third, to be honest, a Monday football Monday. Um, I've dealt with Pete Sweeney's antics for a long time now. And, um, and, and I was at the Super Bowl last year with Pete in Miami and we would do the round tables every day. And even then he was saying, yeah, I don't see any way. Like it, it, it wasn't like, you know, set out of arrogance. It was legitimate, you know, complete and honest thought. I cannot conceive a reality where the Chiefs are not here year after year after year. So he is certainly very confident. I think he has a right to be worried, though. Chief, I mean, ultimately, Pete has, has you know, pegged the Chiefs pretty accurately, but it's not hard to predict the Chiefs to have a lot of success these days. Um, but I think the offensive line is an issue. But I think more than that, I've, I've explained to you my, my baby in a construction zone theory before. This is very different, but it, it is a similar effect in that um, – this is this is Bruce Arians, who I still maintain is wildly overrated, but he, he, but he is he is going to go shot for shot for shot for shot. He is the have you ever seen Tin Cup with Kevin Costner? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, respect my man. But anyway, uh, the 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 most important scene at the end, another another. That's Bruce Arians, and most teams are not 
brave enough or smart enough and look at you know Sean McDermott we killed obviously for being that afraid in the AFC championship game to have that mentality Bruce Arians I don't want to say it's not at all due to logic or intellect but it is part of his overall MO right that that he's gonna go another another he doesn't just want to put it on the green he wants to go in the cup and I, I think that that's the mentality that it takes to beat this team which is why I think it's fair to be worried I do agree with that although Evan Winner of Bucks Nation said that sometimes Arians, like, that is his philosophy until he gets to the red zone, and then sometimes he gets a little conservative with field goals. I almost wonder if they he needs to rely on Brady a little bit. Like, this is Brady's 10th Super Bowl. If Brady says go for it, like, let Tom go for it. I, I You know, if you're going to get conservative and pucker up there by the red zone, like, no. Listen to Tom. He's been there. I feel like he'll have a good feel for it. And I hope that that Arians maintains that aggressiveness because, like you said, I think that that's the only way that they can beat the Chiefs. I agree with you entirely. This game for Bruce Arians is a Tesla. You know what I mean? Just just sit back, let it drive itself. I mean, and maybe I, I think some people would would ding him for that, right? Be like, oh, what did you really do? Well, you, that's a that's a difficult decision to make. I think some coaches are too narcissistic, too egotistical, maybe too afraid to truly and ultimately put the game in the hands of their quarterbacks. I think that we all wish that Matt LaFleur had done that with Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game. And I think that that's, that's what it takes here. And and I, I do have a lot of faith that the Bucks will do that in the sense of kind of like we talked about with the Chiefs and, and the COVID situation, right? Like, well, you, you got all the way here. Why would you jeopardize that? Whatever. That has been what has gotten them here, right? Like that's literally the center of the whole reason that they are here is that they completely went all in on Tom Brady. So, yeah, I'd be saying, Tom, um, what order do you want us to sit in uh, in the meeting the night before? <laughs> like uh, what what music do you want on the bus? You know, like what what color tie should I wear? Like I would be pestering Tom with all those questions. I do also think uh, I don't know if you saw the story stats that. Uh, that Tom Brady has been free of his family um, throughout the lead up to this game and, and has kind of been in a cave of sorts studying. Um, I I think that people, and this applies to the regular season as well, put so much into that's so much extra time to study, blah, blah. I think that can only go so far. But for some reason, I'm inclined to believe that it is a, a particularly special factor this time around with Brady. I think that Brady understands where he is right now. He knows he's 43. He knows if things start to go bad physically, there's only so much he can do. So his only protection from that is to cram is to, I think is to just study as much as possible to know in every possible situation. If it starts to go downhill, here's what I have to do. Here's where I have to go with the ball. I think he knows that now, like he didn't have a ton of that when he was 23. Now he's 43. So he has even less of it. So to me, I think that's why he's cramming like this because he's got no other option, basically. I have an interesting question for you. Going to brag about the merits of my question. Um, so, Tom Brady was on my fantasy team, and that has nothing to do with this, but it has everything to do with my line of thought. And the reason, and a lot of people shared this sentiment entering the season, was Brady went to Tampa to air it out under Bruce Arians. He he doesn't care about what's happening. He wants to go rewrite all the record books. He wants to go chase Breeze. Like he's accomplished everything you can accomplish. He wants to go yada yada yada. And obviously, he was wildly successful because he's Tom Brady. But I never felt like that's who he was. You know what I mean? Because people, you know, the talking heads were like, "Oh, he's going to be checking out of runs at the one yard line because he's going to want to go to Mike Evans." Like it never really seemed that way. Like he he seemed like the same guy that is still 
what is the you know path of least resistance to winning and in that vein and this hurts me to my core because i loved this denver broncos team I think he is different than 2013 Peyton Manning, even 20, you know, any version of Peyton Manning in Denver, because some of that and and some of it was just natural skill from Peyton. I don't want to take anything away from that, but that was that that 2013 year specifically, the Wes Welker, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Julius Thomas year that they lost to the Seahawks in the Super Bowl when Bruno Mars killed it at halftime. Uh, But I, like that's different to me. You know what I mean? Like it, it does feel different. Like that, that felt like a, a mission of sorts for, for Peyton in Denver. Whereas that's not what's going on here. Brady is still just as locked and loaded with the same objective in mind, which I really respect and admire. Well, think about the difference in those two guys though. Peyton Manning has essentially always been Peyton Manning from the second he was born. He was Archie Manning's kid. He's always been that guy. It's always been about him. Brady couldn't even start at Michigan. He couldn't even beat out Drew Henson. Mm. So Brady is always about what do I need to do to get the job done? And then where does he spend the first two decades of his career with the ultimate screw you, this is what we're doing coach in Bill Belichick, whose only objective was to beat you by one point every right. single game. Whatever it took to get one more point than you, that's what he's doing. So I think that's the attitude that Brady has is laugh all you want. Criticize me for not throwing enough touchdowns. If we run every ball into the end zone and we beat you, I'll be laughing while I'm holding up the trophy. I think that that's completely, totally 100% accurate. It does feel like um, like Peyton is like Captain America, right? Like a natural, you know, heroic skill within his DNA, right? You know, has the shield, certainly, but has has that that is sort of God-given in that sense. Whereas Brady is like Iron Man, right? Like, what can I whip up? What can I devise? How can I outsmart you? How can I outthink you? And now, and I know this analogy kind of falls apart at this point because Captain America is part of it, but now Tom Brady has the Avengers, right? Like, he's still Iron Man with all of that, you know, technology and gear, but now he's got the hook. Now he's, and that's, well, that, he always had the hook. That was Gronk. But now he's got Spider-Man and Scotty Miller. You know what I mean? Now he's got, you know, I've lost it here, but you get the point. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm not letting you. I want you to keep, come on, Hawkeye, Thor. Oh, Hawkeye is definitely Mike Evans. Uh, and Thor is probably Ndamukong Su, I think, you know, like a lighter spirit uh, of sorts. And who's Bruce Arians in this? Bruce, is, he's not Jarvis. You know what I mean? Um, Nick Fury? Bruce Arians. Oh, check this out, Stats. I got this. Bruce Arians is Doctor Strange. And he has seen all of the possible outcomes. <laughs> and he they have devised together the one. And this is it. And Patrick Mahomes is Thanos, obviously. So are you telling me at one point Brady's going to turn to the sideline to look at Arians and Arians going to hold up the one finger? Uh, and I Brady's going to know? Yeah, he's going to know. This is the plan. This is the one. We, we piece this together ourselves. We're going after it. We're going to pull it off. I I am one of two SB Nation NFL experts, uh, is the term they assign us. I didn't pick that. They did, uh, that have picked the Buccaneers. In fact, both of your co-hosts here on the SB Nation NFL show are the only two that have picked the Buccaneers. So shout out to BLG, who is in love with the 2021 Dallas Cowboys, by the way. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't shout out BLG. I lost a lot of respect for BLG because he's picking the Bucks to try and put the whammy on them. And he has publicly stated this. He is picking them to guarantee that they lose. But here's the thing. If they somehow manage to pull it off, he's going to take all the credit. So what he's tried to do is set up a situation where he's right no matter what happens. I actually 
am, in, have been inspired by this stats to ask you another great question. Congratulations to me. Um, is it not amazing that it does kind of feel like Tom Brady is playing with some house money here, right? I mean, like, in what universe could that have ever been foreseen? You know what I mean? That he could be going for ring number seven and that it, it was viewed as this, if it happens, cool, but you don't have to pull it off, dude. Don't worry about it. You know, like that same pressure, for example, and I know this is a different sports. Maybe this doesn't totally work. doesn't exist for LeBron James, right? Like LeBron James makes it to the final. It's like, you better win. If not, you're a loser. Well, yes, if you don't win, you are in fact a loser <laughs> by definition. No, but the difference is Brady already has more rings than any other quarterback and LeBron mm. is still chasing ghosts. And so that's why there's so much pressure on him because people want to say he's the greatest player of all time and everybody says, well, Jordan has more rings, which makes no sense because Bill Russell has a fistful more rings than all of them and no one says he's the greatest player of all time. But anyway, you've got me on a tangent here, but Brady's already Brady's already in the lead so he can lap people right. great. But he doesn't have that pressure because everybody's trying to catch him. Who is the most important player in this game that will not touch the football as often as Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or any one of their weapons? Wow. Basically basically the most important defensive player. But it could be you could pick an offensive lineman in that sense, too. I almost wonder if it's Tyron Matthew, because I actually saw a tweet the other day, which I wish I could bring up now. He's basically lined up almost everywhere in the defense except defensive line. Right. He is so versatile, and he's such an instinctive player. He almost reminds me of Troy Polamalu back in the day for the Steelers, where like there w- the scheme for the Steelers was like, Troy does whatever he wants, and everyone else on the field has to adjust to that <laughs> to make him right, is pretty much how it was described. So I almost wonder if it's the same way with Tyron Matthew, which could be good or bad. Like Brady could see through that and destroy them, or... Matthew could do something that is so off script and so just, you know, completely separate from anything the Chiefs have done that it totally catches Brady by surprise and he ends up making a game changing play. I think that that is a really if you're going to pick a chief, I think that that's unquestionably the answer Um, just because he is and he is the extension of Steve Spagnuolo, right? Like, is he not is he not the most versatile weapon that Steve Spagnuolo has ever had going up against Tom Brady? Yeah, I have to say, I think he is. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think that, and I love the subplot of Tyron against Bruce Arians. I wonder how valuable that is here um, in this particular, I mean, it wasn't that valuable the first time these teams met up, obviously. Um, I th- I think I'm inclined to go Devin White, just just because that that middle of the field is so open for Kansas City all the time. <laughs> and, and, you know what I mean? And, and he... He neutralizes that to a degree, and I th- and nobody can like nobody neutralizes it at all. So I mean, whatever impact you can have there really changes the Chiefs' offense, and I think that that's like you can't beat them in in terms of you can't hold their offense, but you can slow them down, and I think he is a big part of slowing them down. Yeah, it's the frustrating thing, and I heard it uh, described this way when talking about Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar Jackson, it was so tough with the Ravens because you got to, you know, with the option, you don't know if he's keeping it or he's giving it. But I think it w- I can't remember who made the point, but their point was basically even if you do everything right, that means you still have to tackle Lamar Jackson one on one, and it's kind of the same way with the Chiefs. Even if White is there and he does everything right, he's still got to stop like a ninety mile an hour fastball by his ear hole. Or just like the perfect pass that's like teardropped right over into the soft spot of the zone. So I think you're right. He's going to be in a good position. And the the test will be when he's in that sort of one-on-one situation, what happens? Yeah. It feels like, you know, when you're playing Super Mario 
and you have to like burn a bunch of lives to get to Bowser. You know what I mean? Because it's such a difficult level ultimately. And you get there and you have two lives. And you're thinking like, I have zero room for error here. You know, <laughs> like I, I used it all just to get here, just to have this opportunity. And I have to rescue Princess Peach. But it's going to be an incredibly difficult situation that I have to almost be perfect in. The more we talk about it, the more excited I get for the game. And we're going to talk more about the game coming up. We're going to look at some prop bets and a couple other things. But we want to take a break right now because we want to get to RJ's interview, as we said, with Devontae Smith, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. So we'll do that. And then we'll get to more Super Bowl talk after the break. Pleased to be joined now here on the SB Nation NFL show by the one, the only, the legendary, soon-to-be Pro Football Hall of Famer right now, one of the greatest players in the history of college football, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, two-time national champion, the one and only Devontae Smith. Devontae, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. I want to talk first. You're joining us on behalf of Auto Trader, the go-to resource when car shopping or buying with the largest selection of vehicles to search from. I understand that as soon as you fully turn professional, one of the purchases you want to make right away is a car. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, like you said, Auto Trader is the go-to resource when car shopping. So with everything that's been going on lately with me training and rehabbing, being real busy, Auto Trader makes everything a whole lot easier. And yeah, that's going to be my first big purchase of the car. So with them helping me out, it makes things a whole lot easier, and I'm excited. So is that something in your free time? Like, are you on your phone looking at different pictures of cars like that you're thinking of? Like, have you narrowed it down? Do you have a, a couple of, of particular cars you, you kind of like once that moment comes? Uh, probably a G-Way. Okay. Look, again, Devontae Smith life, pretty good right now. <laughs> so um, how, how has life changed for you? in the last couple of months. I, I know you do more things like this, um, but you're the same person, same player. What what is what has the ride been like ever since you won the Heisman Trophy? Uh, honestly, it's kind of been the same. I mean, with all this, it's been a little busier, but I mean, I'm not doing nothing anyway. If I'm not training, I'm just sitting in the house, so I don't have nothing else to do. Have you um have you had conversations already? I know the draft process has started in the sense that you're training and things like that pretty soon. And, and again, obviously this this year is very different. Um, so no physical NFL combine and things like that. But have you talked to older players, maybe Alabama alum, about what the process is like? Hey, you know, pieces of advice, things like that. I mean, has, has that been part of your routine so far? Um, no, not really. Just going with the flow, letting things come as they are, and just handling things when they come along. Okay. I, I like the, the temperament here. You seem like you've just, you know, Devontae just wakes up and, and does life the way, you know, it's presented to him. I, I appreciate that. Um, would you say that Alabama is wide receiver you? Because it doesn't, I feel like not enough people say that. I cover the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if you can tell uh, by what's behind me. And, and so Amari Cooper, obviously one of the, the best players in the history of Alabama, you yourself, Julio Jones, and two last year in the NFL draft. Like as, as much pomp and circumstance is made about Alabama, I feel like that point is missed by people. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, the resume speaks for itself. So I feel like it's wide receiver you. Okay. I know a lot of people say that that would be LSU. They, they get some some love for that. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm curious. I, um, I like to do a lot of research for interviews like this. Do you know how many times you have tweeted who dat on the subject of Louisiana? Um, nah, how many times, you know? If I, if I told you to guess, what would the number be? I'm talking the whole history of your Twitter account. Uh. I'll probably give it 50. Okay, that's 
you think you tweeted a lot. Maybe you texted a lot. Maybe maybe it's an Instagram story thing for you. Um, you've tweeted it only nine times, at least in, in that exact verbiage. You always have the the purple emoji as well. Uh, so nice, nice and consistent for you. Um, what's what's that like? Because so many football fans obviously have a favorite team, but don't get to go through the NFL draft like you are. Um, obviously, you don't care where you're drafted. You just want to go to the NFL. But but is is there is it difficult? Like, if, you know, whenever you're going to talk to the Falcons or the Buccaneers or the Panthers, things like that. Is it, is it, can you, you know, can you just feel like it's going to be a teeny bit weird? Um, nah, not really. It's just like when I was deciding on where I was going to college, I was a big Oregon fan. And once I got here, I just let it go. What was it about Oregon that you liked? The uniforms? Um, the Anthony Thomas, he was just like, he was just that dude. And that's just who I always watched. He's, I mean, very fast, very shifty, like you are as well. Who are some of your other favorite players that you've watched? Maybe for the Saints? Oh, uh, Aaron Brooks. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was a diehard fan when I was young, and just every everything about it, I just always watched the Saints. We did get some tweets. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter or not, um, asking people, because we knew you were going to be coming on, what they wanted to know from you. And I'm sure, well, my first question, actually, do you see all the mock drafts that are coming out already? Do, are people sending you the, the photoshops of you in different uniforms on social media? Yeah, I've got a couple of them. Yeah, do you, do you enjoy that? Like, is it cool for you to see yourself in, in different colors and uniforms? Uh, it's just funny how, like, people can, like, do stuff like that. It's just interesting, like, the different things people can do. The first question um, that, that we've got comes from Matthew Simmons on Twitter at MJS underscore 2K. Uh, says the, the Miami Dolphins have the third overall pick. If you are available then, how would you feel about reuniting with Tua? I mean, it will be great just to go back and just play with him again. He was a great teammate, a great leader, a great person overall. So just playing with him again, it will be great. We've got one from Matthew Andrews. Did you see yesterday that EA Sports is planning on bringing back college football um, in, in some version or some form? I imagine you played a lot maybe with Oregon back in the day. Uh, but so Matthew Andrews wants to know if it was released this year, because we don't know exactly how they're planning on going about it, and you were on the cover, would make sense to have the Heisman Trophy winner on the cover after all, what play would you want them to use? I'll probably say the one hand against uh... – LSU. Yeah, that's a good one. What what angle? Because there's a lot of good angles from it. I mean, would you want to see like the front or the side, or you want you want like your last name on the cover? Like, what's what's the preferred angle here? Uh, yeah, the last name. Okay, I like that. Um, that's interesting. Um, I think that I I I think about these things. I have to imagine you think about these things as well. How often did you play NCAA football growing up, or were you more of a Madden guy? Oh no, nah, NCAA all the way. Okay. What else do you play? Are you a Call of Duty guy? Are you 2K? I mean, what else do you have going on? Yeah, Call of Duty 2K. That's the only two games I play now. If it was me, if I was training for the NFL draft, I would literally wake up, train, go home and eat, and then play Call of Duty or whatever. Is that your daily routine, almost to a T? Yeah, pretty much. That makes sense. Have you been talking to your quarterback, uh, Mac, throughout this process and just kind of, you know, what, who are you talking to and, and what, what interviews are you doing? And obviously he doesn't have the Heisman Trophy like you do, but you're in a unique spot that you guys are going through that together. Uh, yeah, me and Matt, we talk almost every day. It's, most of the time it's not even about football. It's like last night he texted me about Call of Duty. And like, it just be off the wall stuff. He just be sending me and we just be talking about everything. What's he text like? Is he texting you get on? Or is he asking you how you did? Like, what what's that conversation like? Nah, he got the, uh, the Call of Duty package, and he was like, "It's this for real killers." And I ain't have one. So he was basically said I wasn't a real killer on Call of Duty. 
How do you not have one? How do, I mean, like, how can the Heisman Trophy winner not have this yet? Uh, we we working on it. See, like, I'm on the hunt for a PS5 still. I have to imagine you have all that taken care of for you. Yeah. Okay, well, so Auto Trader, again, the go-to resource when car shopping or buying with the largest selection of vehicles to search from, bringing trust and speed to the forefront and creating a more modern digital shopping experience. Life is so digital now. Life is so easy. Auto Trader, I know, certainly helps in that capacity, helps with car buying and car shopping. Uh, you mentioned the car you were looking for. Can you see yourself having multiple cars someday, God willing? Uh, no, not, not really. I'm not too big on buying a bunch of cars. I mean, I can have... I say I probably have two. I have one that's a little better on gas and then one that I drive every now and then. <laughs> well, yeah, one, one to take to the stadium on Sundays and you can get out and get photographed and everything. And then another, like, you're going to go grocery shopping. You're going to go out for the, you know, a weekend trip or something like that. A little bit more responsible, more room, grow a family, things like that. What else are you looking forward to buying? You're, you're a jewelry guy or, I mean, what else is on your list? Uh, no, nah, I don't buy jewelry at all. So really just call, place to stay and that's, Really? Wow. This is a, you know, a really refreshing perspective. I got to say, Devante. Well, we're all rooting for you. We're all excited to see where you end up. Uh, enjoy the, the lead up to the process. This, this only happens once. And, and so soak up every minute of it. Congratulations on all the success so far, the Heisman Trophy, the two national championships. I'm sure there's a lot more coming your way. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. Appreciate you having me. I want to compliment you on a nice interview, RJ, but I'm just too mad at you because as we talked about earlier in the show, you came to me today with this ridiculous take that Whitney Houston's national anthem is not the greatest Super Bowl national anthem of all time. Will you finally tell people who you think does have the best anthem of all time? And then I will tell you the many reasons why you are wrong. So again, I want to acknowledge, first of all, that I appreciate your compliment of my interview skills. I think <laughs> if that, if that did happen, uh, but second of all, I also, more importantly, want to acknowledge Whitney Houston, an incredible voice, an incredible talent, has an incredible national anthem that is certainly one of the best, not just in Super Bowl history, not just in sports history, but literally in the history of that song being sung in the history of the United States of America. It is one of the finest performances. Beyonce's at Super Bowl 38 is simply better. That's just the reality of it. It is the best national anthem that we have ever seen ahead of a Super Bowl. And that's okay. It's okay, Stats. I'm, I, I'm okay with the fact that you are wrong here. I won't lose any sleep over that. In what universe is it better? By what criteria? So I have several criteria. I'm glad that you asked this question. Um, number one, I think I don't like, and this isn't applicable to Whitney Houston, but this is just general Super Bowl national anthem rules. I don't like when there's a choir. You know, it's got to be the, the standalone singer. You know, you can have some instruments in the background, but I don't, I don't want that. I also... Maybe I'm a traditionalist here. I don't like when the national anthem is altered in terms of the um, the rhythms or the the sequence of notes. You know what I mean? Like some sometimes somebody will stretch a certain note or a certain yes. word. I'm on and, board with you, hundred percent. Right, because because the the whole point of it is for all of us to sing it together. And if you're gonna make it different, and I don't know that, then I feel stupid in what is supposed to be a really epic moment. My <laughs> next point here is. When it comes to the Super Bowl National Anthem, you have to show me certain things. Guys, show me the troops. Love the shot of the troops. It, and it sends chills down your spine. And I love the shot of the troops standing at attention. It's always great. I've got to see some players on the sidelines. I've, I've, and that's, that's an element that is a little bit absent from Whitney Houston's. 
What are you talking about? They show players, and also that's not in her control. But that's I'm not saying that it's entirely up to her or even up to Beyonce. Maybe the producer was better, you know, for CBS, you know, in Houston when Jim Nance brought it to, to H-Town. But anyway, uh, the important thing here is you get to see different players on the Patriots and the Panthers. And again, some of these things are out of the singer's control. I've got to see a player tearing up, like like just like the player saying, holy shit. I'm in the Super Bowl. And like you you can see that on, on their faces. And like you could see Ty Law, there's a moment where he is just like about to lose it. And I really need to see that. There's also a great moment with John Fox where he is a little bit more stoic, but he's certainly kind of taking it all in. Another important thing here, and I acknowledge that Whitney Houston does this quite well, the line and the moment that the phrase, the Rockets red glare is said, that has to just absolutely smash. It's got to be incredible because that takes the song to a whole different dimension. And Beyonce completely does that in a way that resonates with me more than the way Whitney Houston does. These are the basic levels of criteria. This is the most asinine criteria I've ever heard. 90% of it doesn't have anything to do with the actual vocal performance. You're judging a television broadcast. Of course. That's that's the way I'm judging it. I mean, again, if we're debating the, like, octaves hit and, again, the particularly specific audio quality, it's a far more open competition. I'm not saying that. But, again, the overall um, environment and aura that is created from Super Bowl 38 is so much better to me. You are so out of your mind. Did you watch it? In terms of singers, Beyonce wears Whitney Houston pajamas, okay? Whitney Houston is so far and above Beyonce as a singer. It's not even close. Beyonce was in elementary school when Whitney Houston sang that, and she's still taking her to school because it is miles better. Do you understand how good the national anthem is that Whitney Houston sang? First of all, she changed the meter of it. She sang it in 4-4. It's supposed to be in 3-4. And the NFL heard it, and they were like, this isn't, it's too long. We don't like it. Sing it again. And Whitney Houston said, no. She did the whole thing in one take. She cranked it out. It is perfect. It is so good. After the performance, people were calling radio stations to get them to play it. It charted on the top 100. It was number 20 in the top 100. Her version of the national anthem. Who's in their car driving to work and is like, man, you know what I really want to hear right now? The Star Spangled Banner. Like, what are we talking about? It's not close, RJ. Um, so, again, here's the thing. I'm capable of acknowledging that Whitney Houston has a fine rendition of the song. A very good. One of the best. Again, I'm talking about the overall production. Because that's – we talked about this at the beginning of the show. I love – that about the Super Bowl. I, I love, and I think you'll agree with this, that for every person who is working the Super Bowl in whatever capacity, it is the Super Bowl of their line of work, right? Like yeah. for the for the camera operators, it's the Super Bowl of their line of work. For the field judges, for every person involved, it is literally the, the like highest attainable thing that they can accomplish in their respective careers. And so I love that about the Super Bowl. And so, of course, I'm going to look at it through a production lens. That's why I love Bruno Mars' halftime show as well. It's not just the like audio quality of what he was able to put together. It was the show of it all and i love the show of beyonce so much again the emotions that are seen in the panthers and patriots players and i also think that this if if you're willing to go down this path of evaluation the fact that it's in houston and beyonce is a houston native really resonates with that particular moment in that space i think that's fair 
first of all, Whitney Houston's performance was in Tampa Bay, which is where the Super Bowl is going to be played. So how about that little synergy, that weirdness? But if you listen to the two, which the first thing I did when you told me what your favorite anthem was, I immediately went to YouTube and watched it. If you listen to those two songs back to back, you tell me that Beyonce is not imitating Whitney Houston. She that's sings the that's song. absurd. How could you say that? Like it's it's a, it's a song. It's the most sung song ever in the country's history. Of course, she sings imitated. it the same way Whitney Houston does. She's a poor woman's Whitney Houston. Okay, with the way she goes up and down and fluctuates some of the notes, it's exactly the way Whitney Houston did it. First of all. I shouldn't say, first of all, because we're now on like the eighth thing. <laughs> Whitney Houston walks out in Tampa Bay in like a patriotic sweatsuit. Like, I don't agree. He was like, I'm not wearing Beyonce's it. Beyonce's in a super clean white like gown of a suit. It looks incredible. Yeah, and, Beyonce, and Beyonce is escorted by a member of the military to the podium that she sings a song on. Again, the whole and I, maybe you disagree with this, but I think the way the field looks during the anthem adds to the experience and there's a lot of like streamers and the whole field is taken up i i don't really like the move of putting a flag throughout the entire field like i love that obviously but but it's it's too simple you know like be more creative and i love what they did in that moment and again like it just it really hits i love like everyone is moved to some high level of emotion and that's like it really starts you can when you're listening to that like at a, at a ball game so to speak you're like oh this is cool but if the singer hits that line and the rockets red glare and i actually love more when there's like classic fireworks in the distance like the, you know not these like you know <laughs> like fancy fireworks but if that happens you are like dude this is insane and i didn't send you this one stats but i will recommend game seven of the 2001 world series is a trumpeted version of the national anthem that's my all-time favorite but it's not sung it's it is incredible though well that's wrong too clearly whitney houston is the best anthem anyone has ever sung at any time i thought that beyonce's accompaniment was a little weird too like when they get into when they say stripes the the music like goes down. It's almost like someone playing made a mistake. It sounded very weird. I dinged her for that because there's no way Whitney Houston would ever let that kind of performance slide. It's just not close. Whitney Houston delivered the performance. That is the standard for all others. So I already told you it got to number 20 on the Billboard Top 100. She re-released it in 2001 after 9-11. It went platinum. It went platinum. You know where it got on the single sale chart? Number one. Number one. We have artists working all year, putting all their blood, sweat, and tears. It's <laughs> an awesome song. It's going to wow people. The people are going to love. And who comes out? Whitney Houston comes out with the national anthem in what? A, what was that? 91? Like 10 years afterwards. And she goes to number one. That's how good. She turned the anthem into a banger. I'm in full agreement that it's an incredible version of of the song and and from a strictly audio, you know, lens, it might be better than than Beyonce's. But the overall performance that is created by that and and a lot of that doesn't even have to do with who's singing it in either case here. I fully acknowledge this. It is better in Super Bowl 38. And you know what I love about it too? Again, this adds to the Super Bowlness of it all. I love that when you see the players, you see the the Super Bowl patches. You know what I mean? Like the the particular Super Bowl, like it adds to that moment. Like it it adds to that, like I'm going to remember this forever because I, you know, it's the Super Bowl. It's it's the biggest thing in the world. And and like that to me, it it is more epic. That's that's maybe the word that I will assign. Maybe you don't want to say it's better, but it is a more epic overall production. 
you are a food critic who's criticizing the plate. Like, that's what you're doing right now. You're, you are driving me nuts. And the last thing I'm going to say on this, the mic drop moment, because that anthem was so good. <laughs> when she released it, it, gave, it was the number five song in Canada. It went to number five in Canada. It's the American National <laughs> Anthem. Like, do you think all these people are wrong, RJ? I think that that's not necessarily uh, what you're making it out to be. First of all, I didn't know that, which is super interesting. But second of all, the Buffalo Bills played in that game, who are kind of Canada's NFL team. So, you know, there is a, a very easy tie-in for our friends up north. I do want to add one more thing, um, that Beyonce actually has two Super Bowl-relevant national anthems. Can you name yeah. the other one? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Um, so by this point, um, the league had gotten to the point where in normal times, the singer of the national anthem would have a press conference during Super Bowl week. And Beyonce, uh, excuse me, the halftime performer, not the singer of the national anthem. Beyonce obviously did the halftime show. It's Super Bowl 47. She put the lights out and everything. Um, and ahead of her halftime performance, you will recall that she sang at President Obama's inauguration, the national yeah. anthem, and was accused of lip syncing. So you will recall, I'm sure you'll remember this, uh, uh, well, I'm sure that this will jog your memory. She showed up to her press conference as the halftime performer, asked everybody to stand up, and a cappella sang the national anthem as a basic sort of, check me out, I'm good. And she put forth the second best halftime show in the history of the Super Bowl, which would later be outdone the following year. And I don't ding anybody for lip syncing. Like, it is a huge performance. It's not like Beyonce can't sing or Whitney Houston can't sing. We know they can sing. I have no problem with the lip, lip sync. They still have to actually sing it when they record it. So I don't ding them at all for that. I was actually at that Super Bowl. That was in New Orleans, right? That was your first, as you've told me before. Yes. And so I was at Radio Row. And, like, Radio Row is crazy. I don't think most people understand what it's like there. It's just a huge room, and it's jammed with people. And, like... Literally, you're walking somewhere, and there goes Joe Montana right past you. Joe Montana, Christian McCaffrey, all the like, stars from today and yesteryear in the NFL. And especially for the media that are there, we're kind of used to it. So nobody really bats an eye. Well, all of a sudden, Beyonce walked into that room. And I'm telling you, the world stopped. I remember not being able to see anything else like it ever. Everyone stopped. The whole activity. People are live on the air. It all stopped. Beyonce walked in. You couldn't get within 50 feet of her. She had a wall of security and she was mobbed. People were, were trampling Joe Montana to get a glimpse at Beyonce, who, by the way, was absolutely stunning when I did actually see her. Well, shout out to Queen Bay. Um, she is from Houston, obviously. Like I said, that was the site of my first Super Bowl that I worked. And the only game that I've attended, actually, the infamous 28-3 comeback. But yeah, Super Bowl week is crazy. Everybody gets a press conference. I've always thought it's strange that the working broadcast gets a press conference. In case anybody know, or they have a media session, rather. But like, if you didn't know, loyal listener, if this were normal times, the CBS crew, Jim Vance, <laughs> Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson, they would be in a media room and answering questions for an hour about the game. It's pretty sick. Ooh, here we go, Jim. Yeah, I know you're jealous that you didn't have a quarterback as great as Tony Romo play for the 49ers ever. It's OK. Well, you don't even know. <laughs> I, I say that I think Tony Romo is the greatest Cowboys quarterback ever or maybe the second greatest. Mm, I think I would just that. Romo. 
everybody else. Mm, I would disagree with that. Uh, last year, this is a totally separate point. The great, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, Gil Brandt, ranked his Cowboys quarterbacks. Number one, Roger Staubach. Number two, Troy Aikman. Number three was Dak Prescott. And number four was Tony Romo. As you can imagine, this sent Twitter. Actually, I might be forgetting. He might have had Craig Morton in there. Uh, but the point is, he ranked Dak ahead of Romo, and uh, and Twitter was in a bit of a tizzy. I would almost rank Dak ahead of Aikman, but anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Do you have any Super Bowl props before we go? Because we're getting we're getting late in the show. Do you have any that you like that jumped out to you? I I don't. Um... Honestly, um, nothing really, you know, made me feel wild. I do think the national anthem props are interesting, but uh, we've sort of visited that topic a lot already today. Um, I wish this has nothing to do with props, and I'm sort of, you know, springing this on you last second. I wish that I know you talked to Christian McCaffrey about television shows. Remember when after the Super Bowl it was like, holy crap, they're going to put a bomb in a patient on Grey's Anatomy. You know what I mean? Like the <laughs> the episode of TV following the Super Bowl used to be epic. And now it's just like, I don't even know what's on CBS. Is it like NCIS or something? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, Probably. I miss those. I miss those days almost as much as I miss Super Bowl patches being unique. Yeah, imagine the, it's the ultimate lead-in, right? Like, you've totally right. warmed the audience up. Most people are just going to leave the channel on because they're saying goodbye to their guests or they're cleaning up the food. So you're going to get the rating that way. I did have one prop that I liked. And I, I honestly don't know what, what side I would take. What will be said or mentioned first? That it's Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl or that Tom Brady is 43 years old? Mm. Because I could see that going both ways, right? Here's 43-year-old Tom Brady playing in his 10th Super Bowl. Well, or or the 10th Super Bowl for 43-year-old Tom Brady. Yep. I to to sort of go off the spirit of what you just introduced us with um with Antonio Ramiro Romo um I think it will be the 10th Super Bowl line. Do you remember what Tony Romo said when they first went to CBS uh his first Super Bowl by the way? No. So they come in, Jim's there, they're in Atlanta, it's Patriots Rams whatever, and Romo says, "Jim, I'm so excited. I've always wanted to get to a Super Bowl." Uh, you know, kind of, kind of a funny shot at, you know, his his own career. Um, and so I could see Jim being like, welcome, everybody. Super Bowl 55 on CBS, blah, blah. And Romo just running it over. Jim, it's Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. I barely played 10 seasons. You know, like that kind of thing. It'd be funny. Can you imagine like 10 seconds into the Super Bowl being enraged because Jim Nance mentioned Brady's age before the number of Super Bowls he played in? Like that's that's going to happen to somebody. Um, I did see one, and you, you, I know you have the list in front of you. It has something to do with kindergarten. What's something that, like, what said first kindergarten? Or, um, I, I, I think it's that, that Patrick Mahomes was in kindergarten during Tom Brady's first Super Bowl start. So the bet is how many times will kindergarten be said? And the over-under is 0.5. And the reason is because Brady started in his first Super Bowl when Mahomes was in kindergarten. That's nuts. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not taking that bet. That's silly to me. If I don't respect the bet, I can't. I can't make it. This is the. I. I don't know if I've ever told you this stats. I look at time in a weird lens. Um. It, I. It's not weird. It's the NFL's lens. Like for example, Super Bowl Forty Seven. The first one you went to was now what? Um. Eight years ago, right? Is that correct? So at the time, Super Bowl Thirty Nine was eight years prior to that in Jacksonville, Patriots over Eagles. And if I had asked you in New Orleans, like, dude, remember Super Bowl 39? You'd be like, dude, that was 500 years ago. You know, you'd be like, that was forever ago. But now if I ask you about Super Bowl 47, you're like, man, that was like yesterday, right? 
So thinking about this, to revisit the central topic of today's episode, obviously, shout out again to Devontae Smith, but the 1991 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 25, where Whitney Houston had the second greatest national anthem, um, the, the distance of time between that and the anthem that I am suggesting, Super Bowl 38, was 13 years, right? Like 13 years, 13 NFL seasons. We are farther removed from that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 38, than that Super Bowl was from Whitney Houston's national anthem, if that makes sense. Whereas at the time when Beyonce belted it out and it was awesome, her national anthem, if I'd asked you about Whitney Houston, you'd be like, man, that was so long ago. Whereas now, I wouldn't say Beyonce's feels like yesterday, but it doesn't feel too far in the rearview mirror. Yeah, that some of that is like the clothing still feels relative. Like, like I said, Whitney <laughs> Houston strolled out there in the sweatsuit, in the patriotic sweatsuit. Like, what's up? I'm here. I don't even get dressed up for this thing. I'm just going to sing my song and peace out of here. I thought that was a really poignant point of mine, and you just trampled all over it. So, you know, thanks for that. You kind of lost me, so I just I just plowed through. Also, for what it's worth, you know, Tom Brady was in the Super Bowl. You mentioned, you know, Whitney Houston's being in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady was in the one that I suggested with Beyonce. Okay. Again, another reason <laughs> counts in your favor that has nothing to do with the actual song. It's just cool. Oh, it's God. it's cool. All right. So your official pick for the game is? I am taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It does feel like it's against my better judgment, but I want them to win. I I I have reached the point, I've reached it long ago, where I am totally going to enjoy Tom Brady. And I, I know people, like the new take stats is, because people will say, oh, Patrick Mahomes is going to get to this game a bunch of times. So the new take is, well, don't be saying that, because we've said that about lots of people before, and then they never make it back. I have full confidence that Patrick Mahomes' career is going to be one that we enjoy forever. And I just, I want to see this. I, I want to see this cool thing happened. The Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl at home. And so I also think that the Bruce Arians factor is going to be really important. And I think more than anything that I have had a platform to talk about how I think Bruce Arians is overrated this year more than ever. And so, of course, he would win the Super Bowl following all those comments. <laughs> I kind of am rooting for that just so I could <laughs> with that. But I, I just think that Mahomes is too good and the thing that that I can't get out of my head, and maybe I'm scarred from that third and 15 play in the Super Bowl last year, mm -hmm. is that even if Andy Reid somehow is not good coming out of the extra time, and even if Tyreek Hill is not, not as fast and drops a ball or the offensive line doesn't block, if everything goes wrong, Mahomes can still pull it out because he's just so physically gifted that – that is just a little tipping point for me that puts it in the Chiefs' favor. So I'm going to take the Chiefs. But more importantly, I'm just hoping for a good game because this is it. This is the last football game we get for a long time. And I want to squeeze every drop of juice and enjoyment out of it. So hopefully it is going to be a good game. That's going to do it for this edition of the SB Nation NFL show. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe. We are two reviews away from 100. Please make that happen for us during the 2020 season. And uh, we'll be with you next week and every week afterwards to break everything down.